The Free for All Roundtable. Round two. On round two, Sabrina Nanji is here with Queen's Park Observer, uh, principal at BroadwayStrategy.com, and the man behind Touchdowns and Fumbles, heard on Fridays on the Jerry Agar Show. Bob Reed is here, along with Lindsay Broadhead, Strategic Communications and Public Affairs Advisor. Nice to have you all. Happy Wednesday. Uh, let's actually start with um, the story that is leading nationally, and that would be the ongoing controversy about Chinese interference in two election cycles. And and a report came out yesterday saying, okay, there was interference, but it didn't change the outcome of the election. I have a pretty good feeling, Sabrina and Angie, that's not going to convince too many people, especially when you consider who wrote the report. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, how much interference is too much interference, right? Um, obviously, where this report is coming from, a, a Trudeau connection, I think some people might scoff at it a little bit. Um, but obviously, uh, th- there's a lot of questions here. And I think that Trudeau would, you know, do himself a favor to to kind of launch a, a broader inquiry um, and, and support that, because otherwise, this thing is going to be dragged out. Obviously, this report um, doesn't really touch on, you know, a lot of very serious concerns um, with this issue. And rather than drag it out, um, I, I think we should just quickly get to a, a public inquiry onto it. Yeah, it comes back to a maxim I often express on the show, uh, which somebody in the public relations field in the emergency fix up field said to me one day, which is and Bob Reed, I'll start with you because it's uh, kind of in your ballywick anyway. Uh, they said, how do you see this ending? Go there now. And so for Trudeau, just call the inquiry. Yeah, when when the inevitable outcome is staring you in the face, that's exactly what should be done here. Uh, quite often what you see in government and politics is uh, what I often call punting to process. So, okay, we've got an issue on the boil, we've got calls for action, something to be done. Let's put together a, a committee, or in this case, the panel that, that reviewed this and, and did the report. And we can point to that as we get every question on this, we can, we can point back to, no, that's why we had this this august panel look into this thing and and make their pronouncement and quite often that works very effectively and quite often it's good public policy but in this case it's not hitting the mark not by a long shot for the optical reason as you noted that the uh, individual heading this up uh, is uh, has ties to the, uh, the the Trudeau foundation so optically this 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 completely misses uh, and and also it's at odds with the reporting that the Globe and Mail is doing on this and the information that they're being fed either from someone within CSIS who is frustrated and is, is leaking it out or through uh, other channels that they're able to get these things the reporting that's going on is uh, very dense smoke around what sure looks like a fire, and yet the official line is, no, no, nothing to see here, folks. Go on about your business. It doesn't work. Yeah, and Lindsay Broadhead, it's it just strikes me as the longer this goes on, the more angry people are going to get. So just get on with it. Yeah, and you mentioned PR earlier. Um, that, that, I think, is the lens through which the Trudeau team should be looking at this. This is going to be, and I don't mean to be overdramatic here, I'm being very purposeful with this, these words, I think it could be the final nail in his coffin if it's not dealt with properly. Uh, Chinese interruption and interference is a long arc story, right? Um, whether it's TikTok, 
um, the the candidates who may or may not be uh, you know plants within government, the uh, ongoing narrative around the uh, economic interruptions, elections, these right or wrong. Um, accurate, not accurate. These are long lead stories. And every time the Trudeau brand can be connected to them, it's idiocy from a strategic point of view that he's not shutting this down from uh, from his own protection point of view. So um, Oakville students described to a reporter months of turmoil and controversy over that teacher with the large prosthetic breasts, which incidentally they insist are real. But I think, and Lindsay, I'll start with you on this one. This paints a portrait of this school that it hadn't occurred to me that people would be that unhappy and that disrupted. But of course, if you've got bomb threats coming in every other day, then it's bound to be chaos. Yeah, and I have to, you know, full disclosure, I've bounced around on this issue all over the map. And this is where I've now landed, um, where I was more concerned about their uh, human rights at the beginning, uh, those of the teachers. Um, you know, Jerry Agar, actually, of all people, has helped me <laughs> see a different light. Uh, he said the other day that, uh, you know, we forgot that this is all about service to the kids first. And I got mixed up in my brain. I don't know if other listeners did about uh, the human rights around this. Um, I'm now firmly, firmly in the camp of this is utter distraction for the kids and is unfair uh, at every level uh, and they should be removed. And Bob Reed, there are descriptions from from some of these kids that apparently they use code over the PA system to alert teachers to, um, you know, that there's a bomb threat and they should start looking around the class. That's not an environment for living or working or, or studying. No, no. All the way around, it is not the right environment. And it comes down to a failure of management and of leadership. There's a problem here that revolves around an individual. And yes, there are arguments that can be made around all, all different sides of, uh, of, of, uh, of, of rights and freedoms and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, this is a problem for the school. It's a problem for the students. It's a problem for the community that the, the school serves. And it's an abject failure on the part of, of the school board, the management side of the equation, to just deal with the problem. Okay, let's turn to a few other issues because we've got an ambitious menu. Sabrina, I'll start with you on this story because it has provincial and health implications. That would be an Ottawa hospital. Is just, they've decided to open their operating rooms at night and then rent them basically to private corporations. I guess some people would see this as an elegant solution. Others would see it as further erosion of the single-payer public system. Yeah, I, I think I had the same reaction to this story uh, as I did to the the new health bill that we got, Bill 60, from the health minister, um, because obviously we can all agree that our hospital system is, is in a crisis, is is completely backlogged, and there needs to be something done with it. And so enlisting the, the private sector, uh, you know, as, as much as opposition critics are, are, are you know, calling foul on this. Um, it's something needs to be done. And so when this bill was tabled, there were all these holes in it. So many questions. Who's the regulator? Who's going to be doing inspections? Um, you know, how are you going to stop the practice of upselling that type of thing? And I'm kind of seeing that that same thing happening with this story that yes, it's really an intriguing experiment. The Ottawa hospital is doing renting out, you know, um, typically vacant operating rooms to, to private, uh, a private corporation of doctors, uh, which is a okay under our rules. Um, but there's 
there's so many questions surrounding it uh, and and not a lot of transparency. And so I think that while it's an interesting concept and could, you know, possibly be one solution to this crisis we're dealing with, there's way too many questions. And I think the main one is what the nurses union has said is that the, the private doctors are offering nurses a much higher, um, in some cases, almost double the rate of what they would get paid in the public hospital system. And so I'm kind of wondering, you know, how is this not going to poach uh, much needed healthcare workers? You know, we're already strapped with, with a lack of staff, um, how they're not going to all end up working um, in, in the private sector because it's just better for them, better wages. And you really can't blame them for that. So the health minister kind of promises this isn't going to happen. It's not going to cannibalize our system, but the legislation and, and, you know, this case with the Ottawa hospital isn't really answering the question for me, um, how this is not going to just exacerbate our health human resources problem as, you know, as they call it. Okay. Well, Lindsay Broadhead, I don't know if you heard the conversation we had yesterday on the show with Dr. Michael Warner, but he was pitching just extend operating room hours by two hours a day, pay pay the, the existing staff overtime, and we could clear the backlog. We don't need to be in the pocket of private enterprise. Um, uh, that might work on paper. I mean, it's hard to add anything more than what Sabrina just said. Um, what what I'm taking away from all this and has been the thinking, I think, within the industry since the minister's announcement is we need to protect the uh, workers and we need to ensure that as taxpayers, we're not getting dung any more than we already are. Does the private, uh, the addition of the private sector services allow for those things? And there's a big fat question mark over that, you know, and, and that's what we need to, that's what we need to ensure and protect. I agree with you. I don't see why we can't work within our existing system. If there's the need and the same staff, we're dealing with the same people. We're just sticking them in different, you know, wearing different hats. Why don't we gear them and motivate them with proper pay? It's out of the same pay pool um, and, and serve the clients who need it. I, I don't get it. Bob Reed, you know your way around provincial politics, so I wanted to jump to another topic. She was listening to round one, not sure if she's listening right now, but Bonnie Crombie is being pitched as the leader, the next leader of the provincial liberals. Is that the fix for that party? It could well be. Uh, she's certainly an attractive candidate uh, or a prospect for the role, and I can understand why there are a lot of uh, of, of liberals getting getting excited about it. Uh, I actually know Bonnie personally. She and I worked together a number of years back, long before she was mayor of Mississauga, uh, on a on, on a municipal uh, campaign exercise, and uh, she is uh, she's everything she's cracked up to be in in my estimation. She is. Uh, very intelligent. She's an excellent communicator. She's got a very solid track record in government, and uh, and and the the political appeal to the liberals as as someone who is you know th- this kind of rock star potential leadership leadership candidate coming from the heart of nine oh five. As Rob Benzie said uh, earlier on, on your show this morning, suddenly that puts a lot of those writings in play, potentially, that otherwise uh, Doug Ford and the Conservatives have a lock on right now. So she is a very, very uh, enticing candidate for the Liberals. Uh, but the, the, the flip side of it is it's a long slog to take over a, a party that is in rough shape and to build things up to the point of the next election. It's a multi-year commitment of a lot of miles in a car and rubber chicken yep. dinners and all the kinds of things that need to be done. Sabrina and Angie, is there a genuine buzz at Queen's Park? 
Oh, absolutely. The liberals have been talking to me about this. There's a, you know, a, a small draft Bonnie uh, for leader movement growing because she really could be this dark horse that comes in um, and, and you know, is just rejuvenating the party. Uh, to Bob's point, you know, she's mayor of Mississauga. She would have a lot, a lot of support in, in Vote Rich 905, which can make or break governments at Queen's Park. Um, she's also not tied to any of the former unpo- unpopular liberal decision making. You know, she it's not like she was the past leader, Stephen Del Duca, who sat in Kathleen Wynne's government. Um, so she doesn't really have so much political baggage on that front. And she's also very good at getting under Doug Ford's skin. She's already, um, you know, come out strong as, as chair of the, the big city mayors and taken issue with the, the province getting rid of uh, developer fees in particular. And Ford, we could see it, it rattled him, you know, just a, a few weeks ago, he was he was telling her to stop whining and yeah. quit complaining. And so I think a great person to to really you know lead the liberals back uh to where they need to be we got to call it there catch the round table round one at 7 45 round two at 8 45 weekday mornings on more in the morning news talk 1010 toronto